Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be starting to look at Genesis chapter 39. We're moving the narrative back to Joseph now, and the theme of this entire chapter, because that is the parameter of this pericope, it's the whole chapter, is one of personal integrity. Now, I have a long relationship with the United States Army going back to 1999, and one of the things that the Army really likes in all branches of the military are acronyms. And uh, if you've ever been around somebody who's been in the military, you've probably heard a few acronyms and maybe even get annoyed with that. I know that there are other professions that that use acronyms as well, especially in the medical field and whatnot, but uh, the Army really does enjoy its acronyms. Well, one of the acronyms that they use to teach people early on, or at least they did, I don't know, things have changed a little bit in these last few years. I'm pretty sure this is still uh, part of this, but they want to instill and teach in new service members, new soldiers, the idea of seven core values. You're like, well, how can I remember seven values? That's a lot. And these values, these core values should serve as the foundation of an army uh, soldier's life. And they are pretty easy to remember if you can remember the word leadership. Now, it's an acronym and not all of the letters are present, but it does roughly form that L-D-R-S-H-I-P. So leader, just without the the vowels at the beginning. There's no E-A or another E, it's just L-D-R. They stand for loyalty, duty, respect, service, honor, integrity, personal courage. All right, that's where we get this acronym leadership. We're zeroing in on this core value of integrity. And the Army, this is coming from their website, defines integrity as this. Do what's right legally and morally. Integrity is a quality you develop by adhering to moral principles. It requires that you you do and say nothing that deceives others. As your integrity grows, so does the trust others place in you. The more choices you make based on integrity, the more this highly prized value will affect your relationships with family and friends, and finally, the fundamental acceptance of yourself. Now, we keep in mind that that is the Army's way of defining everything. It's not, uh, it's not a bad definition. So we're talking about integrity. Now, there is a movement as well in our day to rekindle this idea of manliness. We are increasingly living in a society where masculinity is under attack. So the counterattack to this is this resurgence in manliness. And so people have produced books and there's blogs and, and there's podcasts now on this idea of manliness. I believe it is a book by that title, The Art of Manliness, in which we find this. There are 30 prompts for reflection on integrity. In other words, what they are saying is if you want to really be a man, a true man, 
that's not just, you know, wearing flannel and carrying around an axe, chopping down trees, the lumberjack. Uh, there's so much more to that. One of the things that is going to go a long way in your pursuit of manhood and manliness, if you're a guy, is going to be uh, integrity. Now, obviously, women should be uh, women of integrity, too. Integrity is is integral to both genders. All right. So what is this integrity? What is it? It is doing what is right, as the army says, uh, legally and morally. They say, well, we could say this way, uh, morally and ethically, and we could put in legally as well at all times, uh, even when there's no one around to see it. We kind of have to add that qualifier that should be that should be assumed or known in this idea of all times, but we have to state that because if you, you know, one of the questions that's asked is if there was no one around to see you and you knew you'd never get caught, would you do fill in the blank or what would you do fill in the blank? Of course, for the Christian, we know that we are never truly alone and that God is everywhere at all times. In fact, this is true for the unbeliever too. They just don't acknowledge it. Interestingly, the lessons that we learn at the beginning of the chapters are reiterated at the end in a nice little inclusio. Uh, The text starts and ends with the Lord was with Joseph and the idea that Joseph found favor in the sight of either Potiphar or the keeper of the prison, verse 4 and 21. So there's a little inclusio structure uh, going on here in the text, which we've talked about before. Because when we find that structure in Hebrew writing, it's drawing our attention to the middle of the chapter. And so we'll kind of get to that later. But we do see that familiar pairing at the beginning and the end. Joseph found favor in the sight of God, verse 4. And he found favor uh, with not only Potiphar, but also the keeper of the prison. Outside of our Lord Jesus Christ... I don't know about you, but when I think of somebody who is a picture of integrity, a paragon of moral virtue, then I think of Joseph. This is the text where I go. So as we're trying to strive to be men and women of integrity, what are some of the things that we can learn from this story of Joseph that will help us to develop that and cultivate that in our lives? Well, in the first six verses, we see this, that God is with his people wherever they may be. One of the things that's going to drive us to be a man or a woman uh, of integrity is to realize that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And uh, we are going to see this come out here in these first verses. Let's take a moment and read. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate." 
So we see that God is with his people wherever they may be. And in this, the first thing we need to note is that God's people can face unjust and dire circumstances. We see that he is sold as a slave. He's taken prisoner as a slave by the Ishmaelites. Uh, that, that was already established previously. And now they sell him again as a slave to Potiphar. Uh, and so we see that this is just a horrible circumstance. And uh, it's very unjust. It's very awful. He's sold as a slave. We don't necessarily get to dictate our circumstances, nor do we get to decide our lot in life. And it may be that God's will for us is to serve him in this way. We don't know. I'm not saying you should seek out horrible things, but the fact of the matter is, is he had absolutely no control over it. So rather than bemoan our situation, uh, this goes back to the things that we've said in the past, but wherever you find yourself, serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, wherever you are, and trust the Lord in those things because he's often unseen. Uh, but we already know that God's people can face those things. Joseph is facing this from just a human standpoint. It's awful from God's sovereign plan. He has, he has plans for Joseph and he's going to bring him about and bring those things about through a unique set of circumstances. Remember he sold by his brothers to the Ishmaelites back in 37, Genesis 37, 25 to 28, 20 shekels of silver. Uh, and then it says that they took him to Egypt there and now he's sold by the Ishmaelites to Potiphar. Uh, we already know that Joseph was a man of character because of the things that how we were introduced to him. Certainly nothing he had done in his life merited the treatment that he received from his brothers. So as we begin to dive into this section here, there is this idea, and we really should take this to heart, that there is no promise from God's word that protects his people from suffering in the world. Not one. There is a promise that we are protected from hell, uh, that we have been delivered from that because of what Jesus has procured on the cross through his obedience and shedding his precious blood. But that does not protect us from suffering in this world. We do not have that guarantee in scripture. And even though he's an upright man, he's a man of integrity, he loves the Lord, uh, just everything about him is amazing from a human standpoint does not mean that he is guaranteed protection from the Lord. And we really ought to take that to heart. And not only do are we talking about from other people, but even from a physical standpoint. Okay, uh, again, this kind of touches on that health and wealth, uh, prosperity gospel, right? Uh, wealth and prosperity or health and prosperity. Uh, I know people in the movement, it's such a damaging movement. The teaching is so dangerous. They say, no, it's never God's will for you to suffer. Are you kidding me? Are, I mean, are you seriously, are you kidding me? Joseph suffered here. Paul entreated the Lord to remove this thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians. Remember this? And he says, three times I entreated the Lord, and the Lord said, no, uh, that your weakness, you know, my strength can be demonstrated in your weakness. And Paul had to learn to be content. Uh, Jesus was not spared physical suffering. Uh, we have man born blind. We have paralytics. Uh, we have all these. Not everybody gets healed. Uh, and that's the whole point. We don't have a guarantee in scripture that God's will for us is to always be in perfect health until the day that we die. And I should just point out, since I'm already on a rabbit trail, that most of the people who are the charlatan preachers who, who preach these abominable doctrines, 
they themselves have physical maladies that somehow they can't name it and claim the victory over those things. And, and yet they still have the audacity to write uh, that, that they have experienced them in the past, but they wear glasses. I mean, seriously, if, you know, it doesn't apply to your eyesight. You still have to wear glasses, uh, broken fingers and bones. You know, you can't just, you know, you should be able to like not ever have those things. You shouldn't ever end up in the hospital. You shouldn't ever have cancer. I mean, and yet I read of, you know, a spouse of a famous health and prosperity preacher dying of cancer a couple of years ago. I mean, r- really? Again, you should be able to just name it and claim it and say that they are you know, immune from that because you somehow have this direct bead to God. Uh, again, I, I'm sorry to rabbit trail on this, but there is no promise from God anywhere in his word that protects his people from suffering in this world. And if Joseph, who is absolutely upright and is serving the Lord and has unbelievable integrity more than any person that we see in scripture aside from Christ, if he's not spared from physical suffering, then what makes you think you are going to be? Uh, you just don't have that guarantee anywhere in scripture. I'm sorry, you just don't. Okay. Uh, now back to the text here, Potiphar, uh, we get all these descriptions of him. Potiphar, what is he? These are all these adjectival phrases here, an officer of Pharaoh. He's connected to Pharaoh, but not only is he an officer of Pharaoh, he's a captain of the guard. So he's associated with Pharaoh in that way, in a military setting. And he is not of the people connected at all with Joseph as far as from a genealogical standpoint. It says he is an Egyptian. So not only is he brought to Egypt, it's understandable that there could be other people living in Egypt who are not Egyptians. He's an Egyptian. He is with the military. He is closely connected to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the top, you know, he's the top head honcho in Egypt. He's he's the top guy. And so we get all these descriptions to make sure that we understand that Pharaoh is pretty prominent. He's a major figure. He bought him, he purchased him from the Ishmaelites who brought him down there. Now, remember, we're looking at this idea that God's people can face unjust and dire circumstances. He's sold by his brother to the Ishmaelites. He's sold by the Ishmaelites to Potiphar. If we just glance down the text, we won't get there today. But down in verse 20, Another thing that happens to him that's unjust and dire, he's thrown in jail by Potiphar. I mean, he's purchased by him at first, and we see all this blessing on his life. But later on, Potiphar is going to throw him in jail in verse 20. So God's people can face unjust and dire circumstances. In verse 2, God's people are never alone. Twice in verses 2 and 3, we read that the Lord was with Joseph. In fact, that's how it starts. The Lord was with Joseph. Okay, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. God's people are never alone. The Lord was with him. And it may be so obvious that other people take note. And again, uh, we see this because, you know, go back to Jacob when he is in Laban's land and how Laban, you know, wants to be with him and recognize that just being in proximity to a man who is under the blessing of God was beneficial to him. And so he wanted Jacob to stay around longer so that he could continue to benefit off of his presence. Uh, But again, God's people are never alone. You are never alone. I am never alone. No matter how alone you feel, you need to be more in, steeped in the word of God and thinking about the implications of the word of God and the reality of God's attributes and what that means for us on a daily basis. I can say this as one who has struggled with depression at times in my life 
And there have been times, even when I'm surrounded by people, where I have felt incredibly alone. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, is I know that that's not true. And we cannot be governed by our feelings. Our feelings can lead us astray. What we know about God, that has to rule. And God has given us minds, our minds over our emotions. For Our emotions come later, but we have to rein those in. We have to govern them in. What we know to be true is what God says in his word. And when he says, and when it becomes apparent in verses like these, that he's there, that means he's always there. In your darkest moments, God is there. When you feel like no one is there, no one recognizes you, no one hears you, you're all alone, that's a lie because God is there. He is always present and he especially is there for those whom he loves. In the first part of verse six, uh, we read this, that God may bless those who follow him, or we learn this, right? God may bless those who follow him right? So he's blessing Joseph. Joseph finds favor in his, uh, in his house. But now we're seeing, uh, we're seeing here that Joseph is being blessed in a great way, not only, uh, in other matters, but now he personally receives this blessing that he becomes, uh, the caretaker of Potiphar's house. He is like the manager of his house. Potiphar leaves all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. I mean, this is not the typical life of someone who has been purchased as a slave. We have to think about it in that context. God blessed Joseph, and the underlying cause of all of Joseph's success was the Lord. We see that back in verse 2 and verse 3. The Lord caused all that uh, he did to succeed with his hands. We would do well to remind ourselves and those whom we have the opportunity to pour into from time to time that any talent we have is from the Lord. The words of James 1.17 are not a cliche statement, right? They are true. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. That's very true. Every good thing we have in our lives is from the Lord. Other people perceive the blessing The text maybe doesn't mention this specifically. Uh, We know that the Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and caused all that he did to succeed. Uh, It probably wasn't just Potiphar, other people as well. And we have to kind of do a little bit of reasoning here, deductive reasoning. Uh, How would Potiphar know that? He's a pagan. I mean, he's an Egyptian. How would he know that the Lord had blessed him? We must conclude that he had talked with Joseph and questioned him as to why he was so successful. And the only thing that we can posit from this is that Joseph told him about the Lord. How else would Potiphar have heard? Okay. And so here's the question. As Joseph is being so wildly successful in Potiphar's house in a foreign land, you know, if we were to put ourselves in that circumstance and then we find Potiphar coming to us saying, hey, look at all this incredible stuff that's happening. Ever since you came in my house, everything has gone so well. And this is just amazing. How have you done all this? What would your response be? Now, we don't have the exact words that Joseph said, but would you take credit for your talents and for your successes? If you are the type of person who would take credit and not give credit to the Lord, you might be wasting an incredible opportunity to witness to others about the Lord and his working. I mean, whether it's here or in the book of Daniel, when Daniel's going to say, do not all dreams and interpretations come from the Lord? He could have said, hey, I know that the answer is, 
it's been revealed to me by God, but you know, just leave that out and just say, Hey, I know the answer. No, he gives credit where credit is due. And he says, everything belongs to the Lord and I don't need anything from you. This is all of the Lord's doing. We have to look between the lines here, read between the lines and think that there must have been a conversation uh, going on. It doesn't explicitly say that there was, but the fact that Pharaoh knows that the Lord and can perceive that the Lord was with him and all that he did, that had to include a conversation. Now, God blessed Potiphar's house on account of Joseph. That's verse 5. Uh, and he blessed the Egyptian's house, it says, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field, so his animals aren't getting sick and dying. Things are growing. I, you know, This is a very good time for Potiphar. And this, again, reminds us of this proximal blessing that we saw with Laban wanting to be around Jacob. And what that teaches us is we want to be around people of faith. We want to be around God's people. We want to be around people of prayer, people who look to God and on whom God has blessed. We want to be around them. And we want to be those type of people. And uh, and we, we delight that others might be blessed maybe on our account. That's a wonderful thing. God owns the world. He owns all of it. The scriptures tell us that the earth is the Lord's the people and those who dwell therein, they all belong to God. But we even see that God blessed Joseph, uh, not only here in Potiphar's house, but again, looking down later on in the chapter, verse 23, God will even bless Joseph in prison. So God may bless those who follow him. And he definitely has blessed Joseph in this. Again, it's not guaranteed that this is going to happen to you, but we do have a duty to be faithful to God wherever we find ourselves in whatever circumstances and to use all opportunities to give God the glory, to give him the credit, never knowing how things might turn out. Uh, You just don't know the end of the story. What we are called to is we are called to faithfulness. We are called to loyalty to God, we are called to integrity, and we are called to all of those things. That's all we have time for today. We'll pick it up with the second half of verse six in our next episode. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.